back to Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am your host. Thank you all for downloading us once again. We're uh, uh, really happy to be able to provide this for you. Alrighty, uh, let's go ahead and move to the hellos this week, this uh, episode. Uh, was perusing the Frapper map earlier and noticed that KG4OLW, John, in Miami, Florida, signed on the Frapper map. Uh, KE7EDW, Eric, in Bremerton, Washington, has also signed up with us on the Frapper map. KI4PLH. Van in Enfield, North Carolina. We picked up another UK, uh, Australia listener. We've got VK3UCR Ross. And Ross wins the hard to pronounce award this week. I'm probably going to slaughter it. Gumolby, Gumalibi, Victoria, Australia. We've also got Carl in Washington, D.C., N4PZA. And, Carl, thank you for your comment on the Frapper map. Uh, yeah, uh, we're gradually migrating to Linux here and uh, been doing a lot of talking with Gene Ste- Steinberg over at the, uh, what is it, Night Owl Tech show uh, about the Max. He and I have been discussing back and forth, and I did not realize they were BSD-based, so... Uh, just another feather in the cap of an outstanding operating system. We'd also like to say hello to Alan in Atlanta, Georgia. And the unidentified listener list. Oh, you guys have been at it. Uh, we have a new listener in Newport News, Virginia. Two new listeners in Albany, New York. Two new listeners in Collinsville, Illinois. Uh, one listener in Franklin, North Carolina, one in Staunton, Illinois, two in Cincinnati, Ohio. We've got uh, the international folks checking in. We have a listener down in Lima, Peru. You guys in Ohio, you get Lima to sign up. Yeah, I said Lima. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. We also have a new listener in Sheffield, England. Other listeners, Miami, Miami, Florida, Spokane, Washington. We've picked up another listener in Dublin, Ireland. One in Orlando. One in Madison, Wisconsin. We have a new listener in Seattle, Washington. One in Oxford, Mississippi. Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Two in Rochester, New York. One in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. We've picked up another listener in Atlanta, Georgia. Two more listeners in College Station, Texas. College Station, Texas. Yeah, buddy. And a listener, fresh listener in Atwater, California. Atwater, California. I appreciate all of y'all signing up on the Frapper map. Uh, 
those of you have who have not signed up on the Frapper map yet, y'all ease on over to uh, the blog site, which is KB5JBV at no, not at KB5JBV at did it again, didn't I? KB5JBV.blogspot.com KB5JBV at blogspot.com That's that mouthful of jumble letters again. Uh, for those of y'all who are first-time listeners, that's Kilo Bravo 5 Juliet Bravo Victor. And y'all can go on over there and stick a pin in the map. Y'all uh, leave me some information. I, you know, I'm I'm hoping it's not because y'all bashful's the reason that we have the unidentified listener list. Uh, uh, if don't be bashful, because we're just gonna say your name and your call sign on air one time, and uh, some of the others. If y'all talk to some of the others on the map, I'm sure I miss a few now, now and then, because the map is getting really full. <laughs> well, no, it's not really full. I'd like to see it a lot fuller, but it's nice to know we have that many listeners out there. Alrighty, uh, let's move to emails. This week we actually got, or this time we actually got a few. And uh, first one up is from Grady, K6IXA. Uh, Grady's uh, sent us a fairly lengthy one here, and uh, it's all good stuff. Let me start. It says, Richard, never heard of a podcast before. Not real sure how I came across your site. However, it was very interesting. Been in ham radio for 53 years. Been there, done that for the most part. Run a Winlink PMBO and do missionary radio email, primarily in Africa. Am am I... Am retired radio supervisor from Pack Bell. Want to pass along a couple of tips that I have found useful in regard to your podcast. On the spreading of BNC connectors, and he's referring to our uh, final episode from Don of Buzzword. Uh, when spreading uh, on the spreading of BNC connectors on the HT. I have found that after straightening up the center connection of the female connector, you can avoid to some degree further damage by the antenna flopping around. Go to your auto parts store and select a neoprene O-ring that fits snugly over the BNC fitting. Select one that requires a bit of pressure to be exerted when putting the antenna on. This will provide additional support and add rigidity to the connection, protecting the connector, connector contact from elongating again. Well, that's a really good tip. And when I, when I saw that, uh, Grady, I really, really thought that I needed to run on down. I've got a couple of couple of handhelds that still have BNC connectors on them. The rest of them are that screw on SMA, I think it is. Okay, continuing on with the email on the dipole antenna. With Pac Bell, in our emergency response emphasis, we utilized uh, 
a portable suitcase unit with NVIS antenna setup. I guess I'm going to have to do a whole episode on NVIS. On 75 and 40 meters. Worked very well in the 100 to 300 mile range. Also, for the dipole, have used an inexpensive insulator obtained from Ace Hardware. They are marked as Red Devil Electric Fence Insulators. You get a dozen or so for just a few bucks. They are durable plastic and seem to last for years. To determine if any material is suitable for insulator, all you have to do is chuck it in the microwave for a couple of minutes. If it gets warm or hot, don't use it. Ace Hardware Red Devil Electric Fence Insulators come out cool as a cucumber. Electric Fence Insulators. I'm going to talk a little bit more about wire antennas further off in the episode. But yeah, I've used them. I've used electric fence insulators and uh, they work wonderfully. Have a son who lives in Keller. Wife and I spent two years on a Christian relief ship, the Spirit of Grace, run by Friendships Organization, 2002 to 2004. We sailed the ship from Seattle through the ditch to Galveston, where we spent a year getting the ship ready for a humanitarian relief run to Israel. I now know what hot, cold, and mosquitoes is all about. <laughs> oh, no heat, no air conditioning, and an abundance of mosquitoes. I was radio officer, which meant that if it was electrical, I got to fix it. All the way from the radar to the myriad of salt air infested cargo winches. The wife was a real trooper exclaiming shortly after we were on board, this is just like home. I do the laundry, wash the dishes, and clean the showers and toilets while you play radio. So much for being a, a domestic. What a great experience and a blessing beyond belief. Great ride across the Atlantic and through the Med, med, through the med Mediterranean with a fantastic opportunity to tour the various places of the Holy Land. That's my two cents. Keep up the good work. ES, your comments regarding welcoming the new folks is most appropriate. I had heard the same thing from a new member of our local club. Go figure. Guess sometimes we get all involved with those we normally associate with and do not make the extra effort required. See ya, 73DE Grady K6IXA. Well, Grady, you got a lot of good points going on in here. Uh, the HT, the insulators. Um, I'll go ahead and give those uh, um, give those uh, URLs you've got listed in here in just a moment. Um, where was we? And riding a ship to the being a radio officer on a ship headed headed for the Holy Land. Oh man, that's one of the things I aspire to. Alrighty, uh, well, Winlink, we're trying to do a show on Winlink uh, for you guys that might be interested in uh, 
packet radio and digital communications on HF bands, you might go over and check out Winlink, which is at www.winlink.org. Uh, I'll be setting up my Telpac and my Packlink stations again now that I've got my third computer fixed and can get it up and operational, so we'll have a have a node down here pretty soon and we're even in the process of trying to get the software so we can build a Winlink station uh, Packbell and missionary email okay uh, www.techserve.org uh, y'all go on over and check that one out also and friendships organization uh, Y'all go on over and check their site out also, which is at www.friendships.org. Friendships, one word. And Grady, one last thing. I did see you try to get a hold of me uh, via another deal. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk about that a little bit towards the end of this particular segment, but I wasn't ignoring you. I just couldn't get the radio switched over. All right, our next email is uh, from Randy. Randy uh, was in the the new listener list uh, last time around. And let me go ahead and run through this one. Uh, Richard, just sent you a little bit to help with the cause. Hope it helps. Good luck and keep up the good work. By the way, I enjoyed the segment on dipole antennas. Nice to hear. Just when I'm trying to get one up in in my limited space. Thanks. Respectfully, Randy, KE5JVH. Well, number one, uh, Randy, uh, sending a little bit. There is no bit that is too little. What, what Randy was referring to, y'all, is he sent a donation this direction. And I guarantee you, Randy, it will be put to good use where the podcast is concerned. I don't know if y'all have noticed or not, but already that annoying pop in my microphone has disappeared. And uh, that makes you the first, very first contributor, Randy, so uh, you keep it up. Uh, as far as the dipole antennas and limited space, uh, we can get way in-depth on that uh, if you guys want to. Just... Uh, Y'all send me an email and we'll we'll start working that working up that program just as quick as we can. And uh, also, Randy, on that uh, other uh, deal you was working on, thank you very much. It was very helpful. Okay, that brings up uh, operation of the podcast donations. Okay, for those of y'all who are listening, this is a free podcast. It does not cost anything. I put it together myself. Unfortunately, it takes me a little time to do so because I have to spend the majority of my time uh, dealing with uh, life in general, making sure my children are in good shape, my, my bills are paid, and uh, I'm most importantly, I keep mama happy. <laughs> However, it does cost me out-of-pocket does cost me out of pocket to uh, bring this podcast to y'all. And any donations that y'all might want to provide are uh, happily accepted. I want y'all to know that I'm not out here. I'm not in this to make money. This is an extension of my amateur radio hobby. This particular uh, deal is uh, 
my way of helping to Elmer as many people as I can, help people along, and hopefully y'all are getting something out of it. If you feel so inclined, though, as to go ahead and contribute as little as a dollar to the cause, every dollar that comes into Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, is going to get turned around, put right back into the podcast in equipment, in storage fees for the our uh, server that we're using, uh, equipment, and that kind of stuff. Every penny goes right back into the podcast. You will not be sending money to buy me a soda <laughs> if uh, that's what the deal is. Now, if you feel so inclined to make a donation, please go over to the blog page at kb5jbv.blogspot.com. Up on the top left-hand side, you'll see a donate through PayPal. And for those of you who think you can't donate through PayPal because you don't have a PayPal account, that is not a problem. Uh, you can use your credit card or uh, an e-check and donate that direction. I do not have a place where y'all could send in regular donations that are not credit card or e-check and, you know, throw a money order or something. I'm sorry, I don't have an address y'all can send that to. Uh, however, if you're inventive and your computer's got a link to QRZ, it's not hard to find my address. I really, I, I will resist to my dying breath putting commercials on here. I will resist to my dying breath uh, charging a subscription fee because that's not what this is about this is am this is generalized amateur radio uh free and y'all can use it any way y'all see fit it is covered under commercial uh creative commons license which simply means that if you're going to use it tell me and when you use it tell people where you got it so they not going to be no uh, go-to-meeting.com on, on here unless I just absolutely cannot avoid it. Okay, we did all that. That's my Jerry Lewis thing. Now let's move on to help. Okay, uh, last time out, I am still looking for a co-host. I'm entertaining the idea of having a co-host simply because, once again, two people talking uh, interacting and uh, playing off each other makes for a much more interesting podcast. But it's not necessary. I'll carry on and do this best I can. Continue to try and round up uh, people to come on for interviews, even though I'm having a rough go with that because everybody I contact say, okay, send me the pre-show stuff, and when I send it to them, I never hear from them again. Uh, so... I am still entertaining the idea of having co-host, but for those of y'all who don't want to be a co-host, you do not want to be on the podcast itself, that's wonderful. I also need people to help me research uh, articles, help me find amateur radio news items. I would like to have a news segment where y'all can get information relating to amateur radio that you're not going to get from 
This Week in Amateur Radio or the ARRL's podcast or, you know, the regular outlets because they only cover a portion of what's going on in the amateur radio community. And uh, I would really like to pick up a few items now and then to let y'all know what's going on. You know, there are people out there all the time that we can get stories of what's going on. You know, uh, Saturn was on one not too long ago up north that was really, really interesting, and I just didn't have time to include it in one of the podcasts. So you could go out and research news items. I need somebody to help me try and book guests because apparently I'm having a little trouble with that. Uh, For those of you who want to add an audio segment, and I haven't said this in a couple episodes, if y'all want to have an audio segment like Don had, then all you have to do is record that bad boy up, send it to me in uh, uh, MP3, or AUG format, uh, either one works, you know, send it in here, even audio emails, you know, we were talking about emails a while ago, if you want to send an audio email, it will get inserted in this podcast, if you guys have got some tech tips or something like that that you want to send in audio, send it in, those of you who are on uh, Echo Link, you've already got the microphones and stuff. For those of you who don't have a microphone on your computer, I'm going to go look at tip back up so I know for sure. But what I did hear, what I remember hearing, is that if you take just a regular set of headphones, plug them into the mic jack on your sound card, and speak into, I think it's the, I think it's the left headphone, but it's one or the other. It's not too hard to figure out. You can record through that headphone. Uh, That's all a microphone really is, is a speaker on a stick. So y'all can send me those audio comments. And if the audio level's a little low, don't worry too much about it because I can adjust that too. Uh, Any kind of contribution, emails, you got tips tips and suggestions you want to send in on emails, send them on in. You know this this thing is as much for y'all as much y'all's as it is mine because I'm here because y'all are listening and together we can probably make a a really outstanding podcast. We might even be able to cruise up the list over at uh, Podcast Alley. We might get more than one comment over at iTunes. Uh, I was listening to another amateur radio podcast, which is one of the few that I can find that actually uh, hasn't been subject to pod fading and they're still putting out episodes and the guy over there uh, the one episode I've heard he was doing an episode on Hiram Percy Maxim history and stuff like that you know if that's the kind of stuff y'all want to hear send me an email let me know otherwise i'm going to try and continue on with some of this tech stuff well low-end tech stuff and trying to get some folks in here to talk about what they know hurricane season's heating up and we've got an episode on hurricane season if y'all want to go look in the archives but y'all let me know what you uh, want to hear and 
sure enough, we'll get it in there for you. Okay, let's go to D-Star. I'm going to take a couple minutes to talk about D-Star real quick before we go on to the next segment. Uh, I have just gotten into D-Star, and for those of y'all that don't know what D-Star is, D-Star is a digital communications mode that ICOM has uh, started working on. It's been around for a couple years, and there's repeaters starting to pop up all over the country. You know, I was talking about Grady a while ago. Grady tried to contact me the other night over D-Star, and... I wasn't able to push the buttons fast enough to get him, but we'll we'll try it again. And uh, like I said, I there's a section manager up in North Alabama. If y'all listening in Northern around Huntsville, Alabama, y'all uh, y'all uh, give uh, give you consideration to. I think he's a section manager, going to be running for director up there. So y'all. Uh, Y'all keep your eyes open for that, but I'm off subject again. Anyway, uh, what it basically boils down to is uh, D-Star is a digital packetized communication system, and one of the advantages of of it is it doesn't take as much room, as much bandwidth as uh, regular analog communica- FM communications. Uh, plus... The D-Star repeaters can not only gateway between uh, 2 meters and 440 or 2 meters and 1.2 gig and or 1.2 gig and 440, but they are also set up on where they can plug into a backbone, the backbone on the internet and move these packets down the line, kind of like Echolink or IRLP, but this is all digital. Uh, the digital conversion happens in the radio. And for those of y'all that have been around a while, like I have, you know, we used to listen to some of the government frequencies and, you know, we'd plug them in our scanners and all we'd hear is a continuous hiss. Well, it's kind of like that. The audio quality is extremely good. And just a couple of days ago, uh, the repeater that I'm set up on at the moment is here in... Well, it's not in Balt Springs, which is where I'm located, but two miles away over in Mesquite. And a gentleman was talking on five watts from Irving, Texas, into the repeater direct. And he was his audio was crystal clear. And Irving, Texas, uh, Texas Stadium, y'all have probably heard of Texas Stadium, is I guess probably about 30, 35 miles away from the repeater site. And the repeater site, even though it is, I think, about 800 feet up, still, he was crystal clear. There was no chopping, no fading, no hiss, nothing. So for you guys that already have your D-Star equipment, if you'd like to get a hold of me, I've been leaving the radio on here in the shack. Uh by way of the gateway connect to me uh, connect to the November Echo 5 Romeo repeater port C port C be the 2 meter and that's where my radio is at this time and if it takes me a few minutes to get back to you don't don't get angry with me this old ICOM 2200H is uh, 
it's kind of complicated to switch over. And for those of you who don't, I would suggest y'all go in, uh, y'all go over to ICOM's site and look around and read up on this. You know, uh, Yezu has something they call Wires 2, and Wires 2 is uh, kind of like setting up an Echo Link, uh, Echo Link station. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, Echo Link node, because. You know, you transmit analog from your radio to the receiving radio, then it gets digitized and sent over the net, and then gets undone on the other end. This, on the other hand, is digitized in the radio, digital over the air, digital over the internet, digital over the air, back into your radio. So, I think this is probably going to be the going thing in the future plus you can uh, on two meters you can send a low speed data it's my understanding on 1.2 gig that uh, it can be upwards of 128k so y'all go check that out and that appears that that's all we have for this segment so i think we'll move on to the next This is the segment the formerly known as Buzzword. We don't currently have any fresh Buzzword from Don W9BE, so I figured I'd give it a shot myself. All right, and keeping in uh, with the rest of the, uh, or at least last episode, and this episode also, this week's Buzzword is Balon. Yeah, Balon is a passive electronic device which converts balanced impedance to unbalanced and vice versa, such as between coaxial cable and ladder line. In addition, balance can also provide impedance transformation, hence the name Balan Transformers. Balans are present in radars, transmitters, satellites, in every telephone network, and probably in most wireless network modem and routers used in homes. Balance isolate a transmission line and provide a balanced output. Well, that's pretty much a mouthful, is it not? Basically, a like a one-to-one balance is simply there to transform, help things match up between, say, a ladder line and a coax. Anything above that, a four-to-one or more, is there to add some impedance transforming transformation in the process 
a balanced function is generally to achieve compatibility between systems. Some balance provide impedance transformation in addition to conversion between balanced and unbalanced signal modes. Others provide no impedance transformation. For a one-to-one -one balance, the input and the output are usually both about 50 ohms or 75 ohms. The most common impedance transformation ratio is 4 to 1. And there's a reason for that. Let me get through this material and then we'll back up and talk about it. Some balance provide other impedance transformation ratios such as 9 to 1, 10 to 1, or 16 to 1. The impedance transformer balance having a 4 to 1 ratio are used between systems with impedances of 50 to 75 ohms unbalanced and 200 or 300 ohms balanced. Now I left this next section in because it's pertinent even though to the discussion even though it's not the case now. Most television and FM broadcast receivers are designed for 300 ohm balanced systems, while coaxial cables have characteristic impedance of 50 to 75 ohms. Impedance transformer balance with larger ratios are used to match high impedance balanced antennas to low impedance unbalanced wireless receivers, transmitters, and transceivers. Okay, so some of you may not be old enough to remember, I know I am old enough to remember, when televisions used, or the back end of a television was set up where it could take a balanced line, 300 ohm ribbon cable. And you would run that, you would screw the ribbon to two screws on the back of the TV and then run that ribbon out the window and up to your antenna if you had an external antenna. If you were using a set of rabbit ears, then it ran out of the back of the TV to the rabbit ears. Same way with FM receivers. You know, uh, I grew up in the 70s, man, back in the infancy of FM broadcast, the FM broadcast band, and all the receivers we had had a pair of screws on the back of them that we would screw the antenna in. Normally, a fold, little folded dipole came with the thing, and it was made out of 300-ohm ribbon, and we would attach it to the back of the FM receiver and tack it up on the wall somewhere. You know, to this day, my newest stereo, which I've had probably about three years, has a single wire that hangs out of the back of it, and then there's a, a loop that plugs in also, and the loop is for AM, and the single wire is for FM, and it's about a quarter wavelength on FM, so reception's really good with it. Even when they were switching over to coaxial cable, you still had the option on the back of the TV, and go look around at some of them, that they had the places to screw screw down the 300 ohm ribbon and and a place to plug in the 75 ohm and in some cases when the first TVs out came out that didn't have a place to screw the uh, 300 ohm in that's when you saw a lot of little transformers that you would screw the ribbon cable from your rabbit ears or your outdoor antenna to that transformer and then plug the transformer into the back of the TV. Well, that little bit of transformer was a ballon. 
in order to function to optimum efficiency, a ballon must be used with loads whose impedances present little or no reactance. Some impedances are called purely resistive. As a general rule, well-designed communications antennas present purely resistive loads at 50, 75, or 300 ohms, although a few antennas have higher resistive impedances. The balanced terminals of some balloons can be connected to an unbalanced system. One terminal of the balanced pair input or output is connected to ground and we're not going to get into that because that talks about an un-un which is unbalanced unbalanced and uh, that's not even part of the discussion. So let's talk about some misconceptions that people have about balance. Balance will not improve SWR. Uh, the exception is where the balance is used as part of a matching network, i.e. a 4 to 1 balance used in loops. So putting a balance on your antenna just to uh, straighten out the SWR, that's a, that's a common misconception. They are not lightning arresters. The winding inductance in most balance is far too low. So that right there, if you're putting one in there for lightning arrest, you can be guaranteed if your antenna gets hit by lightning, that balance is history. And chances are anything that's attached to the other end is going to be history too unless you have an actual lightning arrestor in there. Also, built-in spark gaps don't work. The radio equipment is destroyed long before the gap arcs over. Okay, so if that, that's a selling point on your ballon, built-in spark gaps, go to the one that doesn't offer that and pay less money. Balance do not allow multiband operation of single band coax fed antennas. They do not make antennas more broadbanded. So putting a balance in doesn't make the antenna more broadbanded. Multiband operation just because you have a balance in line, no, you're still going to need a tuner or something else. And we're going to we're going to approach tuner at some point cuz there's some misunderstanding on that. These are all general generalizations, and of course, there may be specific exceptions to any of them. Well, like I said, the multiband antenna thing, you're going to need a tuner. In some cases, well, I can't think of a case where uh, Ballin is going to make a single-banded antenna multiband without some other matching network in line. A ballon really has only two jobs. One is to isolate transmission lines. That means to isolate the unbalanced line from the balanced line. And in the process, do some conversion so they match up. And to provide balanced output current. Well, that's what I just said. To provide balanced output current to the antenna side or the balanced side of the system. Okay, we're gonna just we just about finished with this segment. Let me go ahead and finish up. I went looking around. I typed in the question in my search engine: Do I need a balance? And it took me to the site for RadioWorks, and RadioWorks claims to be 
the ones who really pushed to get amateur radio operators to start using balance. And here's what their page had to say. This question is a, a daily occurrence here at Radio Works. Do I have to have a ballon in my blank antenna? My answer to this question is quite honest. Most callers are surprised at the answer. The answer? A simple but qualified no. The ballon used with your antenna, especially wire antennas, was probably a waste of money. The fellow on the other end of the QSO isn't going to be able to hear any difference in your signal. And no, adding a ballon will not improve the bandwidth or lower the SWR of your antenna system. Given the ballon products available to the amateur radio market, I'm not surprised that there is a lot of confusion. It is obvious that everyone thinks that they can build a ballon. Otherwise, there would be new ballon companies, or at least that is the way it seems every month. They all make incredible claims. However, if you want something different and original to do, that are original that does make a difference in your antenna system, you have to come to the right place. And then he goes on to talk about how their balance are better than everybody else's balance and everything else. So, but basically, you know, the guy on the other end, I was describing last week that I had an antenna at the top of one of my poles that the ends were insulated. Uh, it was made out of speaker wire. The speaker wire was soldered to a piece of coax. It was in the air. It was flat across the band and everything else. And that's what I've been saying for years is that you don't have to have a ballon. It's a good idea to have one for other reasons, but the reasons people normally uh, use them for, that's not a reason you should use one. Okay, let me uh, end this segment by letting you all know that if you decide to use ballons in your antennas, you can get those anywhere that sells, anywhere that sells, the stuff to make antennas with, okay? Balans, insulators, that kind of stuff. So go check some of them out. And what I've got here is I like Universal Radio because a lot of times their prices are cheaper on a lot of stuff. And their website is www.universal-radio.com www.universal-radio.com Also, Buckscom out there, uh, good old Buck Rogers out there, He uh, he's big into packet inf interfaces and everything else, but he also has a an extremely good line of balance out there, and you can go to Buckscom at www.packetradio, one word, packetradio.com Last but not least, Soul Standby. Uh, they may not, their parts and stuff may not be the best in the world, but a lot of times you can find something there that you can't find anywhere else, and that is MFJ Enterprises at www.mfjenterprises.com. www.mfjenterprises.com. Go over there and look around. Like I said, 
It's not the greatest quality stuff over at MFJ, but a lot of times you can get something that you need at a fairly inexpensive price and get on there with it. Hey, that's it for this week and the segment formerly known as Buzz Buzzword. If y'all have any input, suggestions, or anything y'all would like to hear on this segment, please drop me a line at kb5jbv at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next segment. thinking after the last episode of a couple more things concerning wire antennas and I figured that we could probably proceed on with that for uh, at least one more segment. So uh, last week we talked about balance, the use of balance, uh, building uh, dipoles that will work, maybe not the greatest, but uh, to get something in the air easily and quickly because most folks out there, they spend so much time trying to get things perfect that a lot of times they never get on the bands they want to get on. I know that I was licensed for uh, probably nearly probably nearly 10 years before I ever keyed up a radio on 75 meters. Uh, houses I lived in were easy enough to put a 40-meter dipole up. 20 meter dipoles, 15 meter dipoles, and our old favorite, the 10 meter dipole. However, 75 is was problematic because I had not attempted to think outside the box. So, there are ways to hang those longer antennas. G5RVs 102 feet long, a standard G5RV, and a 75 meter dipole is a little bit longer than that. So sometimes you have to get a little creative. Some cases uh, that I've seen, some cases I've seen that the dipole really couldn't be visible. You know, it's not like you can put a 75 meter dipole in your attic. Unless, of course, it's loaded and that's subject, loading coils and traps are subject for a different episode for sure. 
but you're not likely to be able to put a 75 meter dipole in your attic unless you have an extremely large house. So you have to make some kind of compromises. You get them up on a pole about 30, well, here. Uh, when I had a 75 meter dipole up, it was on top of a 30 meter or 30 foot pole and the legs were stretched out across the yard where the actual inverted V was tipped at an angle, which you would think would make a difference, but it really doesn't. You know, they talk about that perfect height and everything. That's so that you uh, radiate energy broadside to the antenna and all that good business, but when you're working with constraints, you have to do things a little differently. So in the case of a limited size yard, you can take it dipole and lean it and have the pole, have your support at one point where the feed point is, have the legs stretched out across the yard, whatever direction you can go and get those legs hung out that direction. Also, I have heard of people taking the elements and folding the ends in, folding the ends out, hanging them in, hanging the legs in a like a Z shape, and they all work. You have to, it is important to keep them away from metal. Don't have them up against something that's metal. Use some kind of insulator. Glass is always best. Ceramics always really good. Uh, there are some really good uh, plastic insulators out there. Uh, I heard something recently that uh, if you, yeah, well, it may have been in that email I read a while ago. Uh, if you take an insulator and you put it in a microwave and turn that microwave on for a few seconds, if you take that insulator out and it's not hot to the touch, then it's going to be a good insulator. I've been known to use electric fence wire insulators in a pinch, mainly because the uh, tractor supply is closer to my house than the ham radio store. Of course, I don't really use the one here, Texas Towers. I, they're just not friendly. If it's not an order online, they really don't want to have a whole lot to do with you. However, uh, all my stuff, I, when I order antenna supplies, radio, stuff like that, I order them out of Universal Radio, and they have a really good line of insulators. But you can use just about anything as long as it's not electrically conductive to stand off these wires. So as far as hanging the dipoles, it's not any more crucial the way you hang them than it is the way you put them together. Now, I know I'm going to get some emails on that statement, but that's okay. The point is for the new guys, get some wire in the air. You cannot work the stations if you can't key the radio and you can't key the radio without an antenna. Okay, let me touch on something else really quick. Magnet wire for low power operation. And that means uh, you're not going to want to run a whole... You might be able to get away with 100 watts. I don't know. I've never actually worked magnet wire at more than about 10 or 15 watts. Experiment. That's how I learn the things I learn. And that's one of the reasons for being in the hobby is so we can experiment. So use the magnet wire 
and make your dipoles out of that if you have to. If you're in a place where you don't want it to be seen, it makes really good uh, a really good low profile antenna, meaning that it's not easy to see. Or at least some light gauge, non insulated, anything you can do to clamp camouflage. Okay. So once again we've touched on the dipoles. The hanging's not crucial. We know the balance not crucial. <clears throat> oh yeah, tuning. I didn't touch on tuning last week. For those of y'all that you're thinking about putting up your first dipole antenna, make sure that you cut it just a little bit long. And once you put it up, use an antenna analyzer, MFJ antenna analyzer, if you can find one, or use an SWR meter that will, or a uh, power meter that will do SWR and better, even better, uh, has a setting where you can flip switch and get reflected power. I myself have found on these dipoles that I get better power out at 1.5 to 1 than I do at 1 to 1. And I'm sure some of you guys listening out there may be able to confirm that. But if you cut it a little bit long, then you can go in, key the radio, see where it's resonant, and then uh, go back out and make adjustments. You know, trim it down a little bit at a time. Lower in frequency you go, the bigger chunk, bigger the chunks you can trim at. You know, I've taken as much as three inches at a time off a dipole down on uh, 40 or 75. But when you're building a dipole for 10 meters, you probably only want to cut about an inch at a time, even less, so that you can get it centered up. Once you get the antenna hung, you're going to have to tune it a little bit. Um, unless you're in, and even if you're in perfect, in a perfect installation, you're still going to have to tune it a little bit. You're going to have to make some kind of adjustments to get it where it needs to be. Tuner, tuner is something you use after the fact. Once you've done the best job that you possibly can to get that uh, dipole tuned, then you put the tuner in line. And that can make up for any deficiencies, anything that you can't take care of. So, you get out there and you trim those antennas. Real quick, let me head off the question because some of you may not have been instructed by your Elmers in the fact that uh, the higher in frequency you go, the shorter the antenna is. The lower in frequency you go, the longer the antenna is or the longer a quarter wavelength is. And what you need to consider is that if you're resonant down, way down at the bottom of the band but you can't work the top of the band, then you need to shorten the antenna. If you're resonant up at the top of the band, but you are not, you can't get a good reading down at the bottom of the band, that antenna's too short. The next question I would that would come up in my mind is, do I have to scrap the whole antenna? Well, dipoles are wonderful in the fact that you can add pieces of wire to them. Um, used to, we soldered them together. We'd take a piece of wire and solder it on the end. Cover it up real good and then start tuning again. 
there are other ways. I, in the past, have made jumpers with uh, alligator clips for temporary installations and took the jumpers and clipped them to the end, the uninsulated end, yeah, the uninsulated end of the antenna and then trimmed the jumpers until they were right. And even better, nowadays we have Anderson power poles, which some of you guys, I'm sure y'all went out and got, and if you haven't, it's probably a good idea because a lot of the races organizations are going to those as sta standard connectors. It used to be Jones plugs, and nowadays it's Anderson power poles, which I really appreciate the power poles. I don't have them on everything, but uh, they are really useful. Anyway, I have drifted off subject again. So you can take the power poles and put it on the end of the antenna and plug the jumper in. You can use alligator clips to clip them on. You can get out there with your soldering iron, solder a piece of wire onto the end. Uh, you don't have to scrap the whole antenna if it's just a little bit short. Okay. I think I've pretty much said everything I can about dipoles at this point. At some point, we're going to come back and uh, talk about more exotic antennas like folded dipoles, rhombics, um, that kind of stuff. And even probably get into loading coils and traps and uh, tuning networks. There's stuff we can get into. Let me move on, though. I want to move on to the fan dipole. This past uh, this past week, yeah, past week, week and a half, one of the local hams, one of the members of our local club, went ahead and put up his first wire antenna, George Rice. He, uh, KC5TOO, recently generaled, and now he's wanting to get on HF, and I'm really happy for him. He's got him a good radio, and... They got out there and hung him a fan dipole. Now, a fan dipole or a multi-band dipole is basically that. It's a dipole antenna that has multiple legs for different bands. Now, I have never used one, but I have known a few hams that have and was partially involved in setting them up. What your bait, what the fan dipole basically consists of is you probably really need to get a ballon on this antenna and depending on what bands you want to operate you cut two pieces of wire for each band so there's lots of combinations there could be we're going to keep it simple at this point with 75 40 and 20 meters Okay, so you measure out your half wave dipole for 75, cut it in the middle like we did the last time. Measure out your wire for the 40 meter dipole, cut it in the middle like we did the last time. And measure out your 20 and cut it in the middle like we did last time. Okay, attach the legs just like you would. You want to attach three of each, or uh, you want to attach one of each all three of them together so on one side you have a a 20 a 40 and a 75 and on the other side you have a 20 a 40 and a 75 get them attached get them soldered get them uh, some of you guys will probably crimp them which is okay short term 
but I've even seen guys that have used, once again, Anderson power poles to plug their elements in. But you do need a ballon. So attach them to this ballon and get them up in there. Run the, run the ballon up to the top of your support structure, whether it's a tower, a pole, a tree, whatever you may want to use. Okay, at this point, then you need to spread the legs out. You don't want them really together, or you want them as far apart as possible at this point. Some people will go ahead and hang them like one on top of the other. That way they're only, they only have to have two places to tie them off, one on each side. I've heard of this working in their 20 meter antenna would end up being an actual dipole. The 40 meter antenna would hang about halfway and then the lowest one would be the 75 and they would all be in a line attached to one structure. I myself, if I was going to run one, would go ahead and try and find out, find six different tie-off points so that I could hang them all in an inverted V fashion. But that's personal preference. It's my understanding it does work the other way. And you do get a little bit of a ground uh, grounding effect or counterpoise effect. Well, not counterpoise. Grounding effect from the elements underneath on the higher bands. I don't know, but once you get them up and tie it off where you want them, then you have to tune the thing. Now, we have always, in the past, I've never had an antenna analyzer. I've always had to use a use a watt meter that uh, would show watts reflected power, watts forward, and uh, SWR. But in this case we started on the lowest band we wanted to operate which would be the 75 meter portion of the dipole trim it tune it trim it tune it until we got it where we wanted it then we would move to the 40 meter portion and follow the same procedure then we would move to the 20 meter portion and do the same thing again now, it's my understanding that if you do it from the top down, 20 meters, then 40 meters, then 75 meters, you're going to end up with it way too short somewhere, and then you're going to run into problems. Then we have to go fix it. So my suggestion would be start with the longest element, trim it, get it adjusted, you know, Dipole antennas are not for the faint of heart. You have to put a little work into them. They work really well. But you have to put a little work into them to get them where they need to be. I have run, uh, at one point I ran one dipole, well, my zip cord antenna, which I told you all about in the last episode. My zip cord antenna hung over this house for five years and I never for a minute had one problem with it. Rain, ice, we don't have snow down here, guys. Ice storms, wind, whatever. Because I put it up, I built it properly. I built it to be tough initially because it was an emergency antenna. But I put it up, I made sure it was tuned up properly. I had it attached to good feed points with good insulators on it. 
and it hung over my house for five years and I will guarantee you the insulation on zip cord is not designed for that and the wire that's in the zip cord uh, has a tendency some people have told me it has a tendency to stretch that was not my experience but that antenna was a fantastic antenna and the only reason I took it down is because it was starting to look like Marconi's station around here with a 75, a 40, two 20s, uh, and then all the little vertical antennas sticking up that I have to have around here for VHF and UHF. So the fan dipole, like anything else, is going to take a little work. Okay, before we finish this segment, we're going to talk a minute about long wire. Now, some people, some people call anything, any antenna that's made out of wire a long wire antenna. Well, what we're talking about here, or the way I, what I consider a long wire is a, a random length long wire antenna is the long term for it. Random length long wire antenna. Well, the random length is not exactly random, and we'll get to that in a minute. First of all, if you're going to try and run a random length long wire antenna, the first thing you have to have is either an automatic tuner that will handle that or a manual tuner. And the reason I say that is because the manual tuners, every one that I've ever seen, is set up where you can run a random link long wire. So having that is the first thing. The uh, auto tuner on my Yaesu 897 is, you can do it, it's kind of a pain. Now, the auto-tuner on my ICOM 735 is set up for that. In fact, it has a separate port on the back of it for a random wire. I have two Dentron uh, manual tuners, two Dentron manual tuners, and both of those have lugs on the back of them for random antenna. If you decide to run a long wire, the first and most important thing that you're going to have to have running a long wire antenna, random length long wire antenna, is to have, a, have your station grounded very well. You've got to be attached to a good ground. And now, in the case of home dwellers, that's not real hard. You can go out and drive a ground rod in the yard. Uh, get hooked up to it and you're good to go. In fact, the more ground rods, the better. You might even want to run a radial or two off of that ground rod. The best ground you can possibly get is what you want. Then you want to run that into the radio if your tuner is attached to the radio and doesn't have any kind of uh, grounding port on it. Uh, like I said, on this 897 I've got the uh, the antenna tuner that goes to it is attached to the radio, just slides on the side of the radio and, and bolts down. So there's not a, ground, a separate ground for the tuner. So if I was going to try and use that tuner 
for a random length long wire antenna I would have to plug the antenna into the tuner or the wire into the tuner normally using a PL259 just go ahead and solder the end of the wire into the connector and then I would have to depend on the grounding in the radio to get any stray RF out of the out of the way on the manual tuners I have here I can attach those to the ground wire directly and even on that ICOM auto tuner for my ICOM 735 it has a separate ground lug and random wire antenna lug so now you've got your tuner you figured out you know what you're gonna need to do where it's concerned then you want to string some wire well once again this is another one of those applications where the wire can be just about any gauge wire you want to work with and once again you apartment dwellers y'all might want to consider magnet wire if you keep your power levels at a reasonable a reasonable volume <laughs> and I myself have done done everything from speaker wire to number 12 enamel coated UV protected wire I haven't used random wires a lot but almost every station I've had I at some point I had to set one up uh, around here I the last time I set one up was because my favorite worked all states net has a 160 meter net and I wanted to get down there and work a few states so you take your wire the thing about a random length uh, long wire antenna is the fact that the length it can be random but and the but is that it needs to be at the very least a quarter wavelength on the lowest band that you want to use it on in fact I think I had a hundred and something 130 some odd feet of wire strung out across the yard for the last one I put up the second thing is you don't have to get crazy about getting it way up in the air anytime I've run one I've had it up in the air as far as I can reach over my head and that is about nine nine and a half feet the last installation I had it ran out the radio room window up a 20-foot pole across to a 20-foot uh, support I had for one of my dipole antennas about 15 feet away then I ran it down the fence line of the backyard uh, from that support to a tree in the backyard once again about nine nine and a half feet in there and then down the back fence line to another tree in a previous installation I had it run up to the top of a 50 foot uh, 50 foot push-up pole back to the far back corner of my yard and then down the fence line and then back up over the eave of the house so the good thing about these antennas is they are versatile 
and a lot of guys uh, use those out in the field for MVIS work. So you've got it up in there. Well, let's start from the beginning. You've got your tuner well grounded. You've got your piece of wire firmly attached to your tuner by a connector or a lug on the back of the tuner. Then you've taken it out and you've put it up in the air and attached it. Well, for you new guys, y'all listen. You don't have to get crazy about attaching stuff. Wire ties or nylon wire ties are one of the greatest things that ever happened. You can zip tie these guys just any old wire. You don't want to zip tie it to any metal unless you have to, but sometimes that's unavoidable and try and get as much space between that metal and the antenna as possible. Run the uh, run your wire out across your yard. For you guys that don't have people telling you what you can do on your property, uh, you can put up a good thick piece of wire and that's going to put you in a better position when it comes time to work those lower bands. There is activity on the 160 meter band. Don't let anybody fool you. There's plenty of activity down there. Some of it's CW, some of it's voice. It's not a very wide band, but there is thing. there are people to talk to down there. So I hope that this particular segment has helped you all out. Uh, we are still working on other things. And when I get some time, I'm going to sit down and read through my antenna books one, once again. And we'll talk about some other things. You know, one of the things I've always wanted to do and did over at one of my friend's house was uh, is load a push-up pole. Uh, over at his house, we actually loaded a 50-foot push-up pole so that he had a low-profile antenna, if that makes any sense. But we loaded it up. He could operate all the way down into the 75-meter band with it. And he lived in a neighborhood that had covenants and deed restrictions. And nobody ever said a word to him because we were able to accomplish that. So I hope this has helped. Like I said, I'll go through my book and we'll dig out some more antenna information. We'll uh, at some point try and talk about loading coils and traps and stubs and all these other things because I know you new uh, new generals and the new extras that have come up from the tech y'all are probably needing some guidance for you old timers if y'all think I'm uh, incorrect in anything that I've said in this particular segment y'all don't be afraid to send me an email because if I am mistaken from uh, what your experience has been then I'd like to hear about that when I'm talking about wire antennas I draw heavily from my own experience once again because wire antennas I've, I've used a few commercially made antennas for HF but I always go back to the wire because it's always been really good to me okay one more thing before we go um, one more antenna I want to go ahead and throw in on this one because I feel that it's important and I always had a lot of a lot of success with them for you guys that have the room 
for you guys that have the room and uh there's an antenna out well loop antennas wire loop uh, the ones that I've run in the past have normally been in a triangular configuration, which was called a delta loop. And they were really good also for what I used them for at the time. Now, I'm not going to get too heavily into this, but try this experiment. We'll, we'll probably try and do a segment at some point on loop antennas a lot the specifically loop antennas but at this point you guys you go out find your piece of wire measure it out at one zero zero five divided by the frequency of megahertz one zero zero five if you lose that it's the same measurement as the driven element on a quad antenna okay measure out measure that out uh, go find yourself a piece of piece of coaxial cable 75 ohms and then cut it to a quarter length times the velocity factor if you don't know what the velocity factor is ask somebody uh, a lot of times on most of the easy easy to get coax it's 0.66 so uh, quarter wave which would be one quarter of 1,005 divided by the frequency in megahertz times the velocity factor times 0.66 and then you have uh, it, it's a pretty rudimentary balance and then you attach that to the two sides of the antenna put a connector on the other end and plug it up loop antenna by itself just a loop just a wire loop is rough supposed to be roughly a hundred ohms now take it up put it in the air and if you feed it from one of the uh, horizontal sections it will be horizontal if you feed it from one of the vertical sections it will be vertical and I would suggest everybody build one of these at least once so you can hear the difference they are so quiet once again, uh, I ran one of these. The first one I ran was on that band we don't talk about. And I guarantee you, I could talk from my home in Grand Prairie, Texas, which is about halfway between Dallas and Fort Worth. That's where I lived at the time. All the way to Cedar Creek Lake, which is about 70 miles, 75 miles from that location. Ground wave. They are that quiet. So y'all go out and try and try give one of these loops a try. Uh, that's another thing we'll probably get further into at some point. We'll have to do loop antennas and quads, that kind of stuff. All right, I think that's it. I hope I don't think of anything else, and we're gonna go ahead and move on to the next segment. And the voice, it's the same, and it calls out. My sweet Melissa Big moon a-sinking In the western sky Tries to ease my worried mind 
sky And the wind through the trees Keeps on begging you please My sweet Melissa this time i'm sorry about all the blues this this time around y'all i'm kind of fond of the blues myself and uh the house of blues is finally open here in dallas we ever get our hands on dan Aykroyd, we're gonna make him an honorary texan canadal never get him back oh my goodness uh we've produced some of the some of the most interesting blues men that uh uh folks can remember in recent times anyway all righty um let's talk about audio bumpers um we would like to insert some segments where uh, where folks are uh, get on there and give the call sign the name and uh let you know that you're listening to resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast it's pretty simple if you're interested in doing it just send me one that says hi my name is whatever uh, my call sign is whatever, and you're listening to Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. Uh, this goes back into all that audio stuff that I'm hoping that y'all will send in from uh, time to time. Let me remind y'all that over at the blog page, you can find the Frapper map uh, and sign up for it. You can also find the donation button up on the upper left-hand corner of the page. I will get the Frapper map moved back up to the top of the page where y'all can uh, see it more easily. But if it's not up towards the top of the page and you can't find it anywhere else, scroll all the way down to the bottom and there will be one there. I've got it uh, fixed down there. Alrighty, and the blog page is at kb5jbv at blogspot.com kb5jbv at blogspot.com and emails if you have suggestions comments you want to talk to me about helping us out with some of the behind the scenes stuff here just about anything even if you want to write me an email and tell me how bad a job I'm doing I'm up for that Uh, go ahead and send it on into the the email box at kb5jbv at gmail.com kb5jbv at email duh at gmail.com I tell you what the heat is so oppressive down here today it's a hundred and some odd degrees and it, 
I think my brain's cooking because I can't even talk. Let's try it one more time. The email address is kb5jbv at gmail.com. Okay, and for those of you who are D-Star capable and want to give me a yell, say hello, whatever, uh, uh, program your radio up for the November Echo 5 Romeo repeater here in DFW, and that'll be port C, the two-meter port, uh, NE5R port C. My call is Kilo Bravo 5, Juliet Bravo Victor, or just send a general CQ, and like I said, I'll leave a radio on back here. If I'm home and around the radio, then I'll, I'll be able to hear you. If you call me direct, just give me a chance to get all the buttons pushed. Okay. That and D-Star, and lastly, we would like to thank, oh, who do we have this week? Uh, Dave over there, Midlife Crisis, for uh, uh, our intro music. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, a group called Flopsy, and uh, they had a piece of music in there called Nuclear. Those two, uh, those two folks are over at Podsafe Audio. You might want to go over and look around over there. Might find something you you like, and as long as it's not for commercial purpose, it's pretty much free of charge. Uh, we also had John Williams, Chris Jurgensen, and last week I made a mistake. The name of the gentleman who does our new exit music is David Henderson. All of these uh, folks, well. John Williams and David Jurgensen can be found over at Magnatune at www.magnatune.com, which is also uh, free music. You can buy some CDs to help them out over there, but the music really doesn't cost you anything to download and listen to. And last but not least, we get back to David Henderson. Uh, he can also be found over at Podsafe Audio. Podsafe Audio. Y'all go ahead and punch that in your search engine, and we're good to go. Never fails. The phone starts ringing, but we're going to keep going. I'd also like to thank uh, all the folks that have helped out this week, those folks that have sent in emails, donations. Uh, would also like to thank my wife, Brenda, for putting up with me and my various and sundry hobbies. Uh, the dog which was broken a few weeks ago is better i'd like to thank her um i think we probably got everybody thanked that we need to thank at this point once again you folks y'all get in touch with me let me know what you want i'm all for configuring this thing the way y'all want it and as far as the music i will continue to look for more music to to keep it interesting so with that uh, I guess all that's left is I'm going to try and stay cool because summer's finally kicked in. Uh, y'all should probably take care of your families and watch out for yourself. And we'll see y'all next time. 73.
gotta go.